we got them here. They're they're getting here to school, but I think due to obviously again working on social distancing, making sure the students are not cross-contaminating one another. I know that transportation is gonna be something that, that we've been working with Mr. Kennedy about. Let's share our plan with regards to transportation. Yeah, so transportation, um, due to the guidelines that we were unsure of, um, and, the, and then even the ones that we were given, are pretty strict with um, following those protocols. For instance, before when we would do a bus drop-off, we would drop off one group of kids at say the high school and then pick up some elementary kids or some seats kids to then take to the middle school. We're no longer allowed to do that because the minute one group now gets off, we have to totally clean and sterilize the bus. So we did a lot of time studying the, the rider numbers, um, looking at the routes, and then looking at the requirements for social distancing on the bus and we will be able to still offer transportation for all of our students from kindergarten through eighth grade. We cannot do the high school for a few different reasons. First of all, with the college model, everyone is not doing the same schedule anymore. Uh, high school ridership was our lowest numbers, and with this complication, um, it's just not going to be possible to run buses basically all day long for them or on intermittent days of the week. The other part of that is we need to be able to take a bus offline so that once we unload one group of kids, we can take that bus back to the bus garage, pick up a clean bus for the next group of kids. So we had to add that in, but we're very happy to say that we are going to be able to continue to offer transportation for general ed students, kindergarten through eighth grade. We will still be transporting our special ed students to their programs and we are taking a look at uh, our career tech educational programs, and I think we are going to uh, encourage students to transport themselves to those sites. We've had that transportation before, but we cannot operate that hub because of the conditions that we've stated. Having to clean the bus in between drop-offs um, really puts that into a difficult situation. But these are only juniors and seniors anyway, so we are going to um, Hope that they have their own transportation and if not we will assist them uh, all they have to do is let their counselor know that they're having trouble getting to their program and, and we will find uh, another way to get them there and obviously this is a cost-effective thing as well with us still maintain the transportation and the safety thing because again when I was at Forest there was a reason we had the buses crossing over Fort Street because we don't want our students especially our littles crossing over Fort Street or crossing over Sibley so this is all part of that safety feature and then with the middle school it's our largest population next to the high school and most spread out we need to make sure that we're getting them to school yeah that's exactly right we, we were we were very concerned that we were not going to be able to provide transportation as you stated, um, our youngest students, it's a question of vulnerability, and for our middle school, it's a question of just, they're the largest rider numbers. So we're very happy to be able to provide that and work that problem through, and we will continue to um, monitor those situations as they go. It is important to, to mention, though, that on the bus, you have to have the same personal protection equipment that you would in the classroom. So you're not getting on the bus if you don't have your mask or your face shield. You also are required to use hand sanitizer before you get on the bus. So there are going to be some extra procedures in there, but we're gonna go through those and talk through them and make sure that the students are aware um, because there are a lot of changes that are happening for everyone. 
MHSAA, the organization in our state that oversees the athletic program, just kicked out their plan, knowing that, unfortunately, our, our athletes last spring lost their entire season. I mean, our baseball, softball, track, golf, tennis, I mean, there's a whole list of students there. But they just came out with their their guidelines for the fall. Can you touch base on, on what you saw there and some of the plans that we have in place for eligibility purposes because we know now that we have some students who might be doing some blended models doing RVA can they still do RVA yet still do extracurriculars so let's go ahead and touch on that so the entire um, athletic sequence as you've stated is covered by MHSEA they do give us some guidelines as to how to operate um, contest for a lot of our sports uh, they they have some divisions on how they rank them from high risk, medium risk, low risk. So they gave us clarification on medium and low risk. The high risk sports for the fall are football, soccer, and volleyball. So we are still waiting to see how we're going to um, operate with those. Cross country, um, tennis, things like that, you know, there are some restrictions that they put in place, but they're not anything that we've not had, not been able to handle so far. Right now we have athletic conditioning going on and we are following those guidelines. The students have to go through a health screening before they come to practice. Um, they have to have a temperature check. They have to maintain social distancing. It's not a problem because they're outdoors. So we are going to keep our fingers crossed that we are going to remain in phase four at the minimum um, in order to have athletic competitions because uh, phase one, two, and three, once again, like the last end of last year, uh, that shuts us down. As far as the eligibility is concerned, I know there have been some questions about, you know, can I still participate in athletics if I just do virtual this year? The answer to that question is yes. If you were a eligible RCHS student last year, we're going by last year's eligibility, then you are certainly capable for that. If you're a new student, to RVA or an existing student to RVA, there are some additional things that we have to do to build that in for athletic eligibility, but that is only for varsity sports. Other sports uh, participation and, and other activities as well, um, participation is open. And I'm sure, and so the question is still out there for middle school sports, we're not sure what that's gonna look like because even though they're governed by MHSAA, we still don't know what that's gonna look like going into the fall. No, we are probably going to extrapolate those down from the varsity level to the middle school level, but the varsity level starts earlier, so we have to put those together before we can worry about middle school. We have an incoming freshman, so knowing that there's going to be the college model and they're coming from the middle school, which was all day, rotate seven times, what's it going to look like for an incoming freshman this year? What, what, kind of, what would their schedule look like, possibly? For an incoming freshman, um, once they meet with their counselor and they pick out the classes that uh, they're going to need to take, they'll have the option to either do a Monday-Thursday schedule or a Tuesday-Friday schedule, knowing that the Wednesdays, one week they'll be going Wednesday, the next week they will not. So really they're going five days out of ten. But they will be going all day on those days. The other days they will be expected to do their homework. Um, work on assignments, log on to uh, different computer programs as required to make sure that they're in contact. They might need to check in now and then, do some uh, communication with their teachers or with their peers. But they will not be expected to attend school. 
it's important to note that their class, the class maximum really at the high school is, is like 17 or 18 students. So they're going to be in much smaller class sizes than they're used to. So it's going to be a more intention instructional period. Um, and then they're going to have the freedom to, to do their work at home. We're, going, we're working on setting up some available spaces for them to uh, do some of their coursework or if they need to collaborate to be able to do that safely. Um, but that is really what we are expecting of both the ninth and 10th grade students coming in. It's going to be a little bit of a different experience, but our staff is prepared to help them through that and to make sure that they are handling their time responsibly. So knowing last year during when March 13th hit and we had the remaining of the school year, as a district we were to help provide devices to those families that did not have devices. I know we're in the process of ordering more to help replace the ones that either were damaged or didn't get returned. But let's give some guidance on what devices are gonna look like and what parents can do to help, again, eliminate exposure when we're looking at using devices next year. Yeah, the devices are, are the same as some of the uh, personal protection equipment. We are really encouraging parents, if you are able, to please provide those for your, for your children. Um, if you have your, if your child has their own Chromebook or their own laptop or iPad or whatever they have available, it's going to be very helpful, not only for them, but for the district as well. It's gonna be helpful for them because they, it's their device. We will help them um, and teach them how to clean them, when to clean them, how often to clean them. But it also saves us from the risk of cross-contamination because if we're giving out those devices in school, during the class, they're going to be used by multiple people. We're going to wipe them down, certainly, but you know, once again, we're going to that reduce exposure. And it's always helpful to have their own device. They get used to it faster, They're, they have a sense of ownership, and they always will have it available to take home and assist them on the days that they are not at school. We will most likely be able to do a checkout system for devices, um, but we have to make sure that we have enough available and then go through that process so this is a good opportunity for parents to kind of get a head start on that. I know that our parents have always been very supportive and they always supply their, their children with what they need before school starts, whether it's calculator, graphing calculator, markers, pencils. So we're just asking if able, add that to your back to school shopping list along with a face mask and some hand sanitizer because uh, the more of this stuff they have on their own, um, the easier it's going to be for all of us. Okay. All right. Next, I have a list of some frequent asked questions that have come across. So we're just going to go ahead and hit on those real quick. Um, I know this podcast has been going a little long, but again, very informative information here. And again, if you have not had a chance to see the board meeting from last Tuesday, a lot of this information was covered there. But here's some questions that have come up since then that we can throw out to our family. So you've mentioned it before, but I'm going to go ahead and just repeat it. Why is the middle school not doing a 50% or a hybrid model in their building? So the 50% the model, when we first looked at it, really was a, it was kind of the, a best case scenario at the time if we were truly at a 50% capacity rule. We were very happy that we could offer a least disruptive everyday program for the middle school like we are for the elementary. We are very fortunate that the middle school spaces are very large. The classroom spaces are the biggest in the district. The hallways spaces are large. 
Um, everything there is conducive to make sure that we can prevent enough students in those classrooms and let them operate. So we did not look at that as an alternative. And it really, when we surveyed parents, it wasn't, no one was asking for a 50-50 model. They really wanted, they wanted to know about the virtual or the everyday all day. So that was really what we were selecting. It's easy to provide that for an elementary because you're really only affecting one class. Middle school, because we do not run on a block schedule, is not really conducive for students to do a half and half. It would be easy for them to do a morning half and then do a virtual for the other classes or an afternoon half, um, but it would still have to be every day because they see instruction every day. It was far more complicated than we were able to deliver while we were inventing so many other things and procedures. So that is, that is why that wasn't an option. Really, if you look at it, the high school is the only group that we were not able to offer an everyday, all-day model. That was really what we were aiming for in the first place. So the high school is getting the best we can with that hybrid model. But you know, it is certainly something that we will continue to monitor. If that is something that parents want, you know, we really need like a, a full cohort to be able to do that, that kind of a model, and that would be about 120 students per grade level. We could do it with a smaller group, but the detail for that would mean that we would need one teacher teaching all of the core classes, kind of like an elementary teacher, mm -hmm. and that would diminish the effectiveness of instruction. So those are the reasons that um, we were not able to add that model. And again, with all of this, not knowing what the future holds for us, I mean, we're doing the best that we can right now with building the airplane while it's in the air, but I think our team did a real good job of maintaining that the structure is sound before the plane took flight. So I, th I, think we, I think our team did a fantastic job with the plan that we have in place. Yeah, one of the things that they really demonstrated to me is, is that they are very uh, flexible with their problem solving when information changes. So. Uh, we will continue to monitor this throughout the year. We are asking that our, pa our parents are patient as well because there are going to be several more adjustments. We need to be nimble this year um, just to be able to provide that instruction. If we get too rigid, the chances are we're going to go back to that remote learning situation from last year, and we really are trying to avoid that. And we know the best practice is having that face-to-face -face and having that interaction with the, the teacher and the student. And, and again, we don't want to dump our parent dump it on our parents for them to be the teachers because they got a taste of it they're happy to <laughs> send them back to us and, and it's it's very difficult for them to balance their home life mm -hmm. and that additional obligation so um, yeah we're, we're going to ask that everyone continue to work together because we're all trying to get through this uh, together all right I got about seven more questions I'm gonna throw at you real quick so we're just gonna do a quick rapid fire we'll keep them short Will my student remain a Riverview student if they are enrolled in RVA? Yes, RVA is a Riverview program and they will remain a Riverview student. What if, it, what if it happens if we start off in RVA but decide it's not the right option and we want to get back in? So we're asking before you make that commitment that you make a serious commitment because coming back in is only going to be possible if we have staff. I cannot have somebody that tells us they want to start off RVA and then say, now I want to go back into my third grade class. If that third grade class is at capacity, there's no space for them. We have already made that staffing commitment. So 
we will have to monitor that situation, but it's important to parents know, please be ready to make that commitment for a full year. If a school of choice parent decides on RVA for their children for the fall, what is the process for following the following school year get them back into the regular school year? Will they need to reapply for school of choice? No. Once you're accepted as a Riverview student, you're accepted as a Riverview student. They will just need to make the request with the building principal. Will electives be offered to elementary RVA students? I don't foresee that being an option for a lot of parents. Um, we're not excluding it, but for the most part, if you're choosing RVA, you're doing it to reduce exposure. So having electives um, that are face-to-face -face is probably going to be a little difficult to schedule. That being said, there are plenty of electives available through RVA. Um, so we can, we can look at that and see how that works. Um, but for the most part, I would say that is, your electives will probably be done through the virtual school. It's gonna be difficult to schedule those times when, and still looking at class capacity wise, yes, the gyms are larger, but we don't know what that's gonna look like. And the cross-contamination piece is a larger concern. And having the person come from the outside, exactly. What if I choose the in-person option and the governor closes school again? So if we go back to phase three, we go back to the remote learning uh, process that we did at the end of the year. So there are a couple of different reasons why we would go back to remote learning. One is that the governor puts us back into phase three, knowing that it will hopefully be for a relatively short period of time until our region can then be reopened. Or if we have to do it for an individual student that needs to be quarantined or a small group of students or a class. So there might be issues where, and we are still waiting for the health department protocols on this. But remote learning would only happen in those uh, shorter term situations. Will elementary students be asked to wear masks? If so, will it be all day? Um, yes and yes. We are building those habits with all of our students that protecting themselves is something that they're going to have to, to be part of. So with the exception of their lunchtime when they're eating, um, or if they're wearing a face shield for a speech class, uh, the facial coverings will have to be done for an all day. Which goes in, can students wear face shields in place of masks? Yes, and for our younger students in kindergarten and first grade, that is probably going to be the more common practice. And I think you already asked this question, what happens if, if a student gets, gets sick in a classroom? We are still waiting for health department guidelines, but we are going to follow those and uh, do all necessary communications uh, from there. We're also gonna have the office set up with, with our office staff with their appropriate uh, personal protection equipment uh, to be able to handle those situations and parents will need to immediately pick up their children from school if that happens. If there's a family with multiple students, will they be able to be on the same schedule with a hybrid approach? Yes. The exception of that, obviously, is the middle school, um, and that is something that we will uh, continue to monitor. But if a parent is in an absolute situation where they can only bring their children, you know, the Tuesday and Friday, we can align that for the elementary and the high school. And, you know, if, if they just cannot come to school for the middle school on those days, students will still be able to participate on the days that they can. And lastly, how imperative is it for our parents and our community to have you signed up on Schoology? 
I think we learned that lesson at the end of the semester, or at the third trimester last year. Um, Schoology is our central communication system for parents and students, period. Our website is intended to communicate to people outside of our system. Parents are inside of our system. Schoology has everything that they will need. If they're not signed up, they are going to miss out on every bit of communication from the building, from the teacher, and from the district. It's imperative that they are on there to, to be able to monitor what is going on and provide assistance to the school when needed and to their children at home. So knowing that we've, worked, we've been working with our director of special services, our social workers, our counselors, I know the beginning part of the year is really going to be focusing on those social emotional learning components of our students because in essence they've been out of school for six months. So that's something that our parents are going to probably need to prepare for that they may not see a lot of stuff coming home. There's going to be a lot of questions asked and we're just working on the social skills for these students. So I think it's something our parents need to be prepared for that what's what's going on in school we need to we need to get these students acclimated back to school again because they've been out so long and especially they're coming back to a school that does not look familiar to compare to what they left so I know that's something that we are strongly working on working very closely with our social workers counselors and the director of special services yeah that is especially true for our elementary students um, yeah, so parents of elementary students don't expect a ton of homework the first couple of days. We're going to be spending time getting them reacclimated, going through the classroom procedures, building procedures. Um, everything is going to be different from them, and we also want to make sure that we are relieving them of their anxiety so that they can once again feel safe and happy so that they can learn. So we are going to be prepared to, to do those things when, when they first come in. It's going to take a little time to get them back into their routine. But if we do that effectively, the learning will be able to very quickly get reacclimated because their minds are very hungry for new learning and they want to be back in school. My understanding, we were the first district in Wayne County to submit, submit our proposal to RISA. That is true. We've been working on this uh, the longest. Uh, let's put it this way. That is what I've been told. So. Um, I knew that because we started so early that we had a very good foundation so that when the governor's plan came in, um, we were able to get this out and communicated, which is important to us because now we can start building all of our building and classroom procedures and guidelines and make sure our buildings are appropriately uh, furnished, spacing is provided, signage is up. Um, now we can take care of all of the details to make sure that we can have as smooth of an opening as we possibly can. And you mentioned something just now about the furnishing because I know we have a lot of, especially at the elementary level, we have some classrooms that are set up for the future ready style schools. They went deskless. We are in the process of preparing. We did not get rid of all those desks that we did years ago when we made these switches. We're doing everything necessary in those classrooms to prepare them for changing them back to a traditional style classroom but even if they are still deskless we're still making sure that we're following the necessary safety protocols with the six feet social distancing and all those things so and where we can't do six feet distancing because we still have tables uh, we're getting the plexiglass petition so that we are able to still provide safety for the students in that setting our first priority is to is to use as many of our desks as available our secondary um, feature is, you know, put up the petition. So anyone coming into our, our buildings are going to see them very differently than what they
extraneous surfaces and furniture out of our elementary rooms. Um, they're really going to be stripped down to the basics because now every surface is a possible contaminant and we want to make sure that uh, we are able to properly clean whatever it is that is essential for the operation of that room. It's going to be a totally different feel because again, none of us are prepared, none of us went to school to do anything like this, but again, our students are the most resilient, they're the most adaptable to change, and they will. Uh, having a daughter in the district, I know she's eager to come back into school and seeing the kids in my neighborhood. I know they're excited the fact that there's that opportunity to be face-to-face -face and not sit in front of a laptop again. So I think we've done a fantastic job as a team. Again, I want to give a shout out. There's too many names to list for the people that have been that have helped out with this. Dr. McKell, I think this is a good start in our Riverview community. This will probably not, the, not be the first, definitely won't be the last when we have more updates of what's going on and getting closer to the beginning of the school year, we'll have more information kicking out. Again, this information was shared at the board meeting on Tuesday. So if you want to see a, a recorded version there, it's there. Our plan is on our webpage. If you click on our webpage, it's right there in the top. It's about nine o'clock on the page right there. You can have the printout that, that we have in place for there. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Gribble. Um, one thing I want to add is uh, our principals are continuing to also post uh, answers to frequently asked questions. So um, I'm asking be just because of the sheer volume, if you have a question before you email them, please check Schoology for your building level frequently asked questions section. See if your question is there. Um, if not, feel free to email your building principals and they will get the answers that you have. We once again ask for your patience and understanding. Uh, we are going to get through this because we are all pirates. Fantastic. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you.